0: people might not necessarily listen just because they love Henry or just because they think Simon's a genius. They want actual content.
1: Are you fishing for us to say something nice about you now?
0: Tell me I'm no. great. Tell me I'm great.
1: You are great. Vicky is a genius and people love her. So you get oh. both.
0: Yeah I'll take that yeah.
1: Yeah okay. I thought so. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, welcome to the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast, again, we are discussing the Gemini principles today and we are myself, Henry Femby-Taylor,
2: Simon Evans, and Vicky Reynolds.
0: One thing that I wasn't really expecting Henry, is having seen many high-level documents previously published around innovation and digital change and new technology in the industry, I got used to seeing assumptions being made about how we would work before we'd really defined why we were doing what we were doing. And the focus was always around the technology rather than the concept and What we were trying to achieve with the concept, basically the the why, and I was really pleasantly surprised with the Gemini principles when I first opened the document to see that the first principle in the top left-hand corner is specifically about public good. So yeah, must be used to deliver genuine public benefit in perpetuity.
1: Yeah, and there were a lot of opportunities to learn from the things that came before in digital construction because I I had an annoying feeling it would be here it is, this is it, it's done, we're finished, do this, or else. When we're talking about something that's not really been finished, it's being developed and being, almost, it's still being invented. That doesn't seem like the right time to be telling people what the end state is. Also, Gemini Principles, I saw the name and I was like, oh no.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, I felt exactly the same way. And it's interesting because the first sentence in the brief at the beginning of the document is, everybody knows that digital transformation is happening and I read that and I just cringed Uh and I thought I thought oh my god as someone who is just a regular human being working in this industry that sentence it makes me think does everyone know and does everyone care is it is it
1: Yeah. But I think that's the thing that's been the narrative and that is the narrative in a sense everyone knows this is happening and I've had people come up to me freaking out I don't know I'm still I'm still doing oil paintings for garden design for people should I stop <laughs>
0: it feels like someone's telling you what you should know or what you do know or, or why you think in a certain way and yes. I was just I, I read that and I thought oh god is it going to be one of those documents but it really quickly changes yes. um, and not necessarily in the bump for the wording but in the principles themselves nine really clear principles for why we're doing this
1: and I think that's because of the audience that it was written for digital transformation is happening From publicly procured projects. That is, it is happening. So, in that context, they're they're right. If you said the audience was the whole world, they would have really very seriously and dramatically missed the point. But this is building on the foundations of BIM Level 2. And as such, they're continuing the narrative. I think you need to keep a little bit of scepticism about this sort of stuff, just because you should never believe your own hype. You need to stay grounded. Even if you believe in BIM and Digital Twins and digitization and digitalization and all those things, I think if you believe your own hype, it's going to be bad for you and you'll end up in a bad place.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the commentary. I'm back in the room, by the way, now. Hello. I missed the part maybe when you were framing the Gemini principles and what they are. Did you do that part up front?
0: So in brief... For the Gemini principles starts with everybody knows that digital transformation is happening and yeah and um I see. so when I when I read that I was like oh
2: <laughs> just stop pandering that same stuff around everyone's always saying yeah it transformations here industry 4.0 or ask Neil about industry 4.1 as he um he recently talked about
0: I can't I can't ask him because I want to punch him industry four point one
2: it's just you know recreating was it the um was it Accenture or someone else came out with post digital transformation
1: post digital transformation. I mean I thought posts were fairly uniform. You got square ones, you get round ones, wood, metal mm-hmm. that's it. I mean those are I don't think you need to digitally transform a post myself.
0: Put some sensors in there.
1: That's true.
0: In this COVID-19 scenario, see how many people are touching them.
1: (laughs) You probably could as well if it was Mapples, don't you? You probably worked that out.
2: They've said um, back in 2019, they published a report titled The Post-Digital Era is Upon Us. And it talks about, I guess, post-digital.
0: Is Upon Us.
2: I mean, I, I wasn't even sure that a lot of companies were even digital until we had COVID and suddenly it was mass roll out of technology and stuff, was there?
0: And even <laughs> that, I mean, is that digital or is it just that everyone's bought Zoom?
2: <laughs> Quite, everyone's turned on Microsoft Teams.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's it. I, it. It frustrates me because people, real people on site, Construction workers, when they hear things like that, it just um, widens that gap between the us and them. You know, like the people who are always pushing digital and doing all the funky stuff with technology. That's great, but it doesn't affect me in the real world.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, we went on a bit of a tangent there. Um... So, the Gemini principles, well, you can find them on the Centre for Digital Built Britain's website. That's cdbb's.cam.ac.uk. And the Gemini principles are a matrix, a three by three matrix that are purpose, trust, and function. Those are the headings for each row. So, purpose must have clear purpose. Public good must be used to deliver genuine public benefit in perpetuity. Value creation. Must enable value creation and performance improvement. Insight. Must provide determinable insight into the built environment. Then on the next row, trust. Must be trustworthy. Security. Must enable security and be secure itself. Openness. Must be as open as possible. Quality. Must be built on data of an appropriate quality. And the last row is function. Must function effectively. Federation must be based on a standard connected environment. Curation must have clear ownership, governance and regulation. Evolution must be able to adapt as technology and society evolve. I can get behind them. You know, nine headlines. Makes sense. I always have a problem with value creation, although I do say it more often than I like, mm-hmm. because to me, value creation is a very nebulous concept. But you know, you see where you can see where they're going. You can see where well, they're going.
0: The thing is, this is a good starting point, and it all should be brought back to objective KPIs on a on a project by project or case by case basis. And um, so, value creation it has to be measurable. It has to be, for want of a better word, overused completely, but it has to be smart. If you can't um, explain prior to the activity what value you would like to create, then you don't know if you've hit that target or not. Um,
1: Absolutely. And that's a data question, isn't it? We're talking about the top line right now, uh, purpose. And we've got public good and we've got to value creation. And then you've got insight underneath all of that. I think it's as interesting what they don't say. It doesn't say. I'm just going to double check because I might. I might be lying. Oh, it says data once. Must be built on data of an appropriate quality in the quality and trust section. It doesn't say data. It's it, it's very human. And
0: yeah I, I agree it's a good starting off point because you're talking about
1: something that hasn't been defined yet and maybe learning those lessons from the past of of jumping in and getting right down into the minutiae of what letters things should be named not determining that because perhaps that won't be determined by a human or read by a human or indeed relevant in the future do
0: humans use the word minutiae hmm? do humans use the word minutia?
1: this one does i'm a sesquipedalian so i would
2: I oh wow a what
1: yeah it's not, actually, it's not actually in most dictionaries i think you'll find uh, it is, is that because it's not a word yeah yeah <laughs> it's one of the reasons it's not in any dictionary uh it's a lover of long words which is i love the fact that it's called sesquipedalian and it's uh it's definitely far too long let me just
0: so what we're talking about here is these Gemini principles are written in plain language and that's what we like about it, but we're discussing it in a way that is very not plain language. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, that's it, that's, that's
1: a fair comment. So
0: it's said with love, Henry.
1: You can say it any way you like, Vicky. I'm used to being personally attacked by people that I've let into my heart, and <laughs> this is no different, <laughs> this is no different.
0: Talking that. The second line of the principles is all about trust. It
1: is. And you have to uh, you have to let people into your heart, Vicky. That's what I've learned. Even if they hurt you, you still have to let them in because otherwise you'll never learn and you'll never grow.
0: <laughs> I've got no response for that. I'm just going to drag us right back to the Gemini principles here. So, That's um... what I was talking
1: about. What were you talking about?
0: <laughs> so we've got... Um, security openness and quality there under the second sort of row of the gemini principles the the second triad um which is trust and basically i like the wording of this because under security it says must enable security and be secure itself and then under openness it says must be as open as possible Mm. and um
1: there are a contradiction, you could say. I, I, I could see a lot of people reading that and being like, well, you can't have both of those things.
0: Mm, but the, the fact of the matter is that that you can because it is security is quite obviously, the language there is very clear, must enable security and be secure, whereas the openness sentence is must be as open as possible. So yes. basically, within the bounds of that security, you need to be as open and interoperable as you can there. And... That's a quite a, a clever way of wording it,
1: and I think yeah, we're talking about trust it must be trustworthy. So the quality must be built on data of appropriate quality. So it's it's locked, but you can get the keys, and when you've got the keys, it's good enough for what you need to use it for. So it's quite vague. In a sense but i guess it needs to be because we're talking this is something that is kind of it's a system of systems isn't it it's so big that it's almost impossible for you to say oh it will be about housing data but this is a policy document so this is the highest possible level saying we are doing a thing we're going over here and yeah this is i think that's about as specific as you can get
0: i think trust in an interesting word because um the human Level of trust in technology often comes into question. Like, for instance, when was the last time you read the the security conditions for a piece of software that you downloaded? I did. I done so, <laughs> yeah,
2: really well, terms of conditions in general.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> I think I think it is, genuine, but uh, and it's not necessarily because we're arrogant or ignorant. It's sometimes because I think they're um, created in a way that makes them so long that you you would never read them um you you'd run out of of time in the day if you read every piece of (laughs) terms and conditions i mean my advice is to do that but um realistically it's difficult and so when we're talking about trust here of um a series of of digital twins are we talking general human trust level or is it is it machine trust like should Mm we should we be able to trust in the system because we fully understand it and we know completely where our data and our information is all the time and who has access to that or should it be the google level of trust where we just click terms and conditions read and and move on to the next page
1: i think there have been several major it fiascos government procurement that have led people not to trust governments generally in the west specifically but probably where they are more trustworthy than in other areas where governments do have these sorts of powers just to, you know, foist a new system onto you and say this is this is the way it is. So yeah, I think it's both. And I think that's an important part of it because you kind of rely on other people. The Ts and Cs, there will be an article saying Apple have changed their terms and conditions. This is what it means. And that person is from a reasonably trustworthy publication. I can can take their word for it. So I know somebody's going to read it because I can't read it. I can't get through. The same is true here. I think as long as there is that openness, then I can have trust in it because I know that in those areas that I don't understand, if it's open enough, then people can go in and those experts will say, ah, you've missed a very key point here. And it might be really minor. But at the end of the day, you need openness for trust. In fact, you need both of these. You need all three of these things for any for trust in any IT system that you are going to give to. I guess G- give your in your information <laughs> to
2: give your give your digital self to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I gave my digital, yeah. digital self away long your,
2: ago. Your digital twin got us absorbed. Um, the interesting point here, isn't it, about security and openness, that security is sometimes perceived as being locked down and restricting access. Mm. And then openness is obviously the opposite, you know, opening up access. Do they contradict or don't they? Because I, I would say security as well in this frame is about the data is open, but it enables security and it is secure itself. So you can't exploit it for, or you can't tamper with it. But you can view it, mm. for example but only if you have the right permission to view certain sets of it. Mm
0: -hmm. So in the, similar to sort of a a blockchain where you can...
2: Drop the blockchain word. Oh, boom!
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then runs away. Absolutely. Um, The concept is that there's lots of information and data that's accessible to a lot of people. but it's impossible to change it. You know that you can trust it. This then brings us into all those questions about the principles themselves are fantastic, but the reality of following them for some of these principles, specifically the ones around purpose, um, that can be by the people who are creating the digital twins so they will create their own targets and objectives around value and around public good and that kind of thing but then when we fall into the second third of principles the trust area yeah
1: security openness and quality
0: do we then need to look at things like creating roles or um bringing in new technology to enforce different parts of of this
2: Mm.
1: Security, I'll be honest. Security is my biggest concern. I think that's just sensible. (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's the sort of thing that you don't put to bed. You can't ever be done with computer security. You're never done. It's going to be an ongoing battle, and that means that needs funding, it needs investment, it needs the right people doing it, and it's going to be a constant thing that we have to keep on top of, because the security situation around the world uh, with gangs trying to take your personal details or take your stuff offline, you know, for for money. And nation states are increasingly using cyber warfare as a means of uh, tackling their opponents. And we are a few people's opponents. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. But one big breach of trust while it's early doors. And it's like, well, this was obviously going to happen and obviously a complete waste of time even though it's obviously a good idea and obviously very worthwhile at the same time all it takes is one bad news article one bad breach and that's it destroyed all yeah exactly suddenly it looks like a house of cards
0: you say that but then look at the the facebook scandals um look at uh the stories that have been written about twitter and other social media platforms if someone is getting enough benefit out of something they will forgive some pretty bad behavior
1: (laughs) 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 that is fair actually that is fair
0: so I think it's right that purpose is at the top here because if people can see the value in this and they can see the benefits to them and the fact that this is making their lives easier and better and that we're learning lessons so that we get better as we build more and more on top of this other things will be Forgiven slightly more than maybe even they should be.
1: It's interesting. Yeah, there must be a hierarchy to this purpose, public good, value creation, insight. I feel like if I was a policy writer or I was, you know, uh, an informed member of the public, I could stop reading there. Mm. Public good, value creation, insight. Yeah. I'm on board with that as a general principle. We'll see what you do. I shall hold you to account if you, you know, if it was a journalist reading that, I'll hold you to account on that. But that is, you know, you've set your terms. That's clear. And then it feels like that trust layer is kind of getting into a little bit more detail. And then the function layer is now kind of at the very granular layer of uh, federation, curation and evolution. That, That sounds, you know, like... If I was the general public reading that I'm not sure I'd be hundred percent with a curated evolved federation um, <laughs> <laughs> we're falling
0: yeah. out of um, uh, common language now aren't we like uh, plain language yeah. Yeah. but I think yeah. that you're absolutely right there and I hadn't I hadn't even picked up on that Henry that um, it is it's the three different layers almost of stakeholder as well yes. so there's the third that bottom layer function the people who are going to be really absorbed in that are. The, the likes of us and the people in industry who are pushing digital innovation and who are driving technology.
1: So, yeah, I mean, like that first one, Federation must be based on a standard connected environment. If I was a journalist reading that, I'd be like, what?
2: or what mean? I mean, so
1: i mean you know there's a lot of data journalists out there uh you know i'm not gonna belittle all of those people you know there's lots of not just saying because you're a journalist you don't understand data but i am <laughs> saying you wouldn't you wouldn't write that up in Couldn't your, broad, be, in your if broadsheet.
0: From, yeah if you're from construction inquirer or um one of the construction um publications you're less likely to be as interested in that part i think mm.
1: So, yeah. Curation is a nightmare because you could put that in trust just as much as you could put that in function. Um, the fact that it's got to have clear ownership, governance, and regulation. And I think that is a cornerstone of this working. You, you and I have discussed this. In fact, we've all discussed this on the podcast previously. Must have clear ownership. And the fact that so many things don't have clear ownership. It's kind of, there is a, there seems to be a legal route and there, but there's a functional route. Like this is, this is what, this is who's going to get sued, but this is who's actually doing the work. And this is who we actually think is doing the work. And they're not always connected.
0: This is, in this actually, to, to make it a bit more, topical, which means it'll be out of date in a week when the news is, has moved on. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the whole thing around Donald Trump and Twitter. So the argument there is that they've, they've put um, fact check warnings on some of his tweets recently. <laughs> and, yeah. Really? Yeah. Which is
1: uh, amazing <laughs> because there is a big problem with Twitter on, uh, you know, bots and political manipulation and this sort of stuff. Something needs to be done. So
0: so basically, yeah, what happened, um, Simon, and for anyone else listening that, that doesn't know, he he um tweeted something, the original tweet was around postal votes and how he said something like, um, there's almost no chance of a postal vote not being tampered with. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh Twitter put a little tag on the bottom of that tweet that said fact check this and it took you to a website that basically says this isn't this isn't necessarily an accurate piece of information now the what they're doing trump then has started to put together some legal changes around this um, and he's never seen
1: him move so fast
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's so funny
0: his argument (laughs) is that he writes the tweet so it's his content and he owns it as soon as twitter adds something to it they are taking publishing rights and therefore they are the their co-authors of it
1: i wonder what the t's and c's are though again on their website because i bet it's never it was never his content in the first place
0: well no, probably not <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting the same thing then goes for models and digital twins it's you you might be the author of some original information As soon as someone bolts something on or uses your information to create something else, who then owns that? And that then brings in the idea of ownership. And it will be interesting to see how this legal query ends up with Donald Trump, because I think it's something that as we digitalize further as a world, it's going to come up more and more and more because everyone is getting, nothing's going to be individual anymore. And a native version of something, the first version of something is never going to be accepted as the best. You're always going to expect collaboration and things to be built on. So how do we know who owns what?
2: Fake, fake news, eh? <laughs> Dude, you know, how funny is that? I, I really hope, I don't know the whole story is how it transpired, but I, if I'm if it was an employee who has access that button, who just thought, do it, God, do it. And they clicked it and it appeared. It's just like, it's such a funny slap in the face, isn't it? To have that happen.
0: It's there. Um, I can't remember his name. There's one guy in particular, I think he's like the content manager or something for Twitter, who, who tweeted himself and said, there's one person alone who's responsible for those buttons. And it's me. I decided to put that button there and I stand by my decision. Uh, yeah. And so I think it's... Uh, Yes.
2: That's amazing. He's going to find his house and stuff. He's going to be targeted now, isn't he? Yeah. Um. And
1: and what is true? And I, th- I think we've got a long way to go. I think there is a lot of disinformation in the world. And and it, this is an American narrative, but it has permeated the rest of the world, which is that it seems like it's people's right to just come up with stuff and make it up as they go along. Fake news. And... Yeah. <laughs>
0: And if you bring that back to digital twins, it's what are we using the twins for? And if we know what we want the twins to show us, are we at risk of um, bias in the analytics? Yes. In the majority of situations, I would say you would never have a complete twin of something. So you might have certain systems within a building or within a town or a city that are um, fantastic beautiful um, accurate twins but you will never have every factor in play when you're doing something like an analysis or a um, or a simulation mm. so if you wanted to check how something would react to a certain scenario you plug in the data that you want it to consider and you're ignoring all of the rest of the data so you're never going to get a 100 percent accurate um, sort of simulation or um, best guess of, of, of what will happen in that scenario and could you start to skew data in your favour oh, wow. to um, to back up the biases that you have or the decisions that you want to make?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is what curation is all about. So we're, we're talking about ownership. Whose tweet is it? Like whose data is it? Whose twin is it? Um, Twitter have the governance for what is on their website. So that has been a back and forth. And it's something that people like Facebook, etc., are still not 100% with because it's going to be a lot of work for them. One of the rules of the internet is that at some point, we'll always get back to Hitler. <laughs> with too much security, you end up enabling violent hate groups and, and that sort of thing. So that is the, on one extreme, you have a governing body stopping you from speaking your mind, which is not okay. But on the other side, other side of the coin, you have these groups being able to exist in a world that is more connected than ever and being able to perform what they want to do better than ever before because of this. So yeah, curation I think is a real a real cornerstone on this bad boy. Because someone's got to look after all this stuff, make sure the data's up to date and the bad actors aren't getting in. <laughs>
0: A good point about the importance of humans. Yeah. Like we we always to make the best possible decisions. It's mm. been it's been really clearly documented that a diverse group of human beings will make better decisions than a single program machine or the smartest person um in the world. They mm. it's just because of that um, inclusion of multiple different types of thinking, behavior. And so when, as we bring this mm-hmm. technology in, which it sounds like I'm not in favor of, but I am so, so in favor of, I think it's completely the right thing we need to be doing to become safer and better. But we need to always remember that it's a collaborative effort, not just between different technologies, but between human beings and technologies as well.
1: And it will evolve. There we go. That's the last one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Got Yay. to the wall.
0: Evolution.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Must be able to adapt as technology and society evolve. So that's another nice little inclusion there. Yeah. Because it could have just been must be able to adapt. Yeah. But it's quite specific there about not just technology, but but society.
2: Which links very nicely to the follow-up publication and flourishing systems. We'll get to that. Society evolving.
1: Oh, don't tease us, Simon. Tell me, don't tease me. Tell me, tell me about that
0: well actually before we before we move on to that i want to ask simon because you know a lot about the gemini principles and would be somewhat of an expert more than me and henry so would you say the the discussion that we've had about each of those principles um similar discussions as you've had with other people same as you thought yourself is there anything that we maybe have missed in our initial reading or analysis
2: i'd say i'd say actually the conversations we've unpacked there is is similar for everyone who reads it how they interpret it And, and what's quite nice about that i think is is because the document is written in a quite a a simple language form and the principles are quite discreet in what they're offering and with the wording of it can have some interpretations it broadly is quite clear what I really like about the Gemini Principles is that, I mean, there's, there's nine of them, which is great, and there's a nice you know, visual form to how they look, but it's also quite easy to relate to. You know, it's not like there was 50, 100 of these different items you have to adhere to. They are that kind of that high level um, or the cornerstones, if you will. And what's also quite good that you can kind of see when you look at them as a collective is if you look at them, they are all really grounded quite ethically. If you look at it, like it's all very moral, very ethical, very public good it doesn't necessarily talk about commercial enterprise in any capacity um, or exploitation for various means. It's all that. These are the core principles that in essence, you can't really dispute them because there's nothing contentious about them. They're kind of, yeah, it's what they say about genius. Genius is something that's really obvious when you look at it. You're like, oh wow. Yeah,
0: it's really, it's, the thing, it's often the most simple solution is the, is the most genius. Yeah. Uh, and I know that this was originally created for um, public sector um but i can't see any reason that this couldn't be um adapted and used for private sector absolutely as well for a large portfolio for instance or
2: absolutely and i fully agree with that and and the company i work for we we fully align with these we've kind of publicly come out and said that these principles are how we go about developing our digital twins Um, and what i think is also great about this is that um what the gemini principles did for the digital twin community quite outstanding so prior to their publication there had never been a leading organization come out and try and define a twin or what constructs a twin there was no line in the sand if you will you obviously have all commercial entities saying theirs um, research groups saying theirs and if you put them all together you probably see that they arguably all say the same thing with the slightly different words but there's no agreement and then of course this document has come out and it clearly defines what a digital twin is in, in the front part of it and also what the national digital twin is and then of course goes on to define the principles that should underpin both um, and that is the first time anyone's really done that so that line of the sand has been drawn if you will around which everybody can rally and then talk the same language so we can say okay well what definition should we use well this definition, because this is actually pretty well thought out, was consolidated and um, uh, developed by collaboration across industry.
1: I hate to agree with you too much, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> it, but it, it didn't go too far. That's, that was my concern, is that. Um,
2: yeah, didn't I to do too much?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, that was my concern that, you know, in this next round of digital construction innovation in in the built environment in the uk you know this next round of policy it would be a top-down instruction of this is what is happening whereas this is as you say you can't argue against this yeah
0: Mm, it's a really solid foundation to build upon like a foundation of principles the one thing actually that i was surprised to not see was something about not necessarily common languages or data standardization that's not what i'm thinking um but along the lines of data organization and clarity or the way that information is structured structured yeah because it's a common bim problem you get two architects for instance in the same firm that names this door 1856 and then another architect exactly the same door door 9572 um and it doesn't matter whether that's uniclass, classification, whatever. If you've got different people calling the same thing, something different, then it's so hard to map that to anything else or get any, any value out of it. And so I sort of expected to see something around whatever you call it, call it that everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as long as computers end up handling it and they don't give architects the chance to name multiple doors, multiple times, multiple ways, multiple confusion, I'll be happy.
2: Well, and and actually that leads nicely onto it. So I'm looking at it now. It talks about the enablers of the National Digital Twin. It talks about Gemini principles and it talks about the roadmap. And then it goes on to talk about the information management framework as a core part. Now, incidentally, actually, we're recording this today and today is the release of Uh, Acquire a monumental document, which is termed the pathway towards the information management framework, and it details exactly what you're saying. It details how we go about doing this in anger, um, and puts it out there for public consultation. Says, look, we may don't have the full answer yet. This is our best guess. What do you think, industry? Uh, So you're right, and I think Henry, to your point as well, they haven't gone too far with it intentionally, because what they've done is they've set out the stall, knowing what's going to come next, and. Just coincidentally, that coming next was released today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, maybe that can be our next podcast then.
1: So yeah, that's we're uh, on consultation till August the thirty There We've got a bunch of questions. We should probably take a look at these and, um, um, and uh, go into them.
2: One thing I will add, because this was the first time we put a document out like this, there's always going to be an element of you know what next version two and the definition they've defined is is absolutely great but also in the way it's defined it has led some people to be confused by it so the use of the word a realistic digital representation often makes people think that has to be hyper realistic for example um or the the kind of the relationship and it says in the second part of the definition what defines or distinguishes a digital twin from any other digital model is its connection to the physical twin So that connection perceived as needing to be something like IoT, an actual live connection, when in fact, it's talking about the relationship between the two. Yes. So there's that nuance in the language that has caused some people to be confused, but then it's been addressed by later documentation.
1: That is exactly how I felt about it. When I saw realistic, my immediate thought was, this is why everybody thinks it needs a 3D model. That's one way of reading it. But I guess realistic in that sense means connected to reality. It's connected to the real thing. And also that kind of links to the other part um, about that connection with the data is that that Mm -hmm. you could have a realistic model. It doesn't mean it's connected. It's got the information in the last second. Some information could be years old, but still be useful.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that's, um, and those kind of questions have obviously caused confusion since the general principles were were released. But hopefully with the release of particularly the commons framework cool. documents that we just talked about and others, it's starting to converge and answer some of those those challenging questions that have come up.
0: And one more question I want to ask, Simon, sorry, is um, hmm. when you develop, Um, digital twins you you follow the Gemini principles those more subjective principles so uh, for instance Mm -hmm. the first three there that are around the purpose how, how do you?
2: How do you go about doing that?
0: Define what they yes. are. Yeah, exactly. Do you define your own versions of those? Do you? Is it in a document? Is it? At, what? I'm intrigued.
1: Shouldn't have put yourself out of this time. We're going to give you a grilling.
2: That's go. it. Absolutely. <laughs> and then that's the other interesting. The other part is that of this document, there's no how to implement the Gemini principles guidance given. In reality, it's there, that's these are the principles, but not how to use
0: them. <laughs> With you, is it a bit like asking for BIM Level 2 in a document? Is we follow the Gemini principles a valid score?
2: Well, it comes up in tense documentation. We've seen it in more and more, in particularly public procurement, start to appear over the last 6, 12 months. It will phys- say it must align with the Gemini principles.
1: Which I guess is a bit of a, a danger because you've got that bottom one about curation. You know that clear ownership and regulation and, and governance. If you're just saying it, you're just saying do do the thing, and there isn't that regulation, that governance, that curation yeah, in place. Yeah, agreed. And that's you know, and in, it's dangerous.
2: It is dangerous, and you'd hope that if someone was developing a technology-led solution, that some of these would be naturally addressed. So having clear ownership of who owned the technology the data the input the governance around how you manage and control access and regulating it particularly if you work in a lot of the built environment industries are regulated you know so rail for example is is regulated oil and gas and energy markets are regulated so you'd expect there to be some interplay and to your question of how do you go about implementing these well that's always going to be slightly down to how an organization wants to embrace it because The principles themselves are quite large containers. But if you look at what they say, so for example, this top line of purpose of public good value creation insights, again, quite rightly, uh, when you're delivering a digital twin program, it always should start with the use case of what you're trying to achieve, because otherwise you're just selling a black box of magic or a unicorn, if you will. So this kind of first part is actually always starting with that in mind. Don't sell a black box, because that actually hasn't got a purpose. What are you trying to address? Instead, consider the purpose. Like it needs to be of value to the organisation. Let's make sure that's detailed up front and the use case to deliver that is detailed. But also the insights that we can derive from the use cases that we've defined are also sound. So it, it's kind of tailoring it in a way of how your organization's profile works. And, and I think it's a great guide on how you should try and morally and ethically develop twins for general public and society mm-hmm. good.
0: Bringing you back to that question, you know, what's the problem? What are you trying to fix? What
2: are you trying to address?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a methodology and not a technology, and it's a journey, not just a destination. I should have that on a t-shirt, shouldn't I? <laughs> hey,
0: that. Are
2: we getting merch? I think we're getting <laughs> merch, guys.
0: I think it's probably time for us to end now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: i just wanted to say we are now all over the internets you can find us on spotify itunes google play podcasts tune in radio stitcher and somebody's found us on flipboard but i didn't post it there so i don't know how that happened if you do like the content we produce and you want more of it please do come and say hi to us at the digital twin on twitter and we're on linkedin as well reposts, likes, comments, we want to hear your points of view, we want ideas for new episodes, all that sort of stuff, let us know.